Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. You're flooded with cars at your shop, the phones are ringing off the hook, and everyone is approving the work that you're estimating. Excited, you put an ad out to hire another technician, and then nothing. You get suggestions from ASOG on where to advertise. You double your ad spend. You ask every tool truck driver for leads, and still you can't seem to find someone. Now, you're probably aware that this isn't just a problem for you. It seems everyone is having trouble staffing their stores with qualified technicians. But have you ever taken a step back and asked a technician why that is? Why is there such a divide between the interests of the average shop owner and the average technician? Is the technician shortage being caused by the apathetic technician or the profit-hungry shop owner? Hoping to find the answers to these questions, we set out to speak to some of the most influential technicians in the industry today. Every shop owner wants a top technician in their shop. Well, it was time to ask those top technicians why the industry is in the state that it finds itself in and what we can do about it. First up is Mario Rojas, a diagnostician working at Autobahn Performance in Oakland Park, Florida. Mario also shares his knowledge with other technicians on his YouTube channel, Super Mario Diagnostics. In this episode, he speaks candidly on what he believes are the problems plaguing our industry and what he believes will attract top talent to your shop. Before we begin, however, hit that like button if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, or make sure that you have the podcast set to automatically download the latest episode on your favorite podcast listening app. Now, without further ado, here we go. What upsets you, Mario? What gets you upset? What do you mean at work or in general? Well, just in, yeah, at work or in general or uh, in general with the automotive industry. I make no secret about it. I, what gets me pissed off the most is when I see people asking a question 
especially a new technician or somebody that's new to a certain piece of equipment or whatever, or diagnostic, sorry, a diagnostic strategy. And uh, the first thing you see is a couple of pundits or so-called pundits jump in and swarm on and uh, call their buddies, tag their buddies. This, this is usually on social media. And they tag their buddies and they just start crucifying this guy just for asking a simple question. That's really what pisses me off the most out of oh, yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, look, in ASOG, a while back, we actually had to, to say, okay, look, we're, we're not doing this anymore. Right, you're you're not going to just come in here and yeah. attack people and start, start trolling them immediately. Yeah, start trolling yeah. just because they don't know what you know, you know. And and little behind the scenes kind of like feedback is is in more than one situation we've seen somebody who, you know, six months, a year ago, two years ago was in the same shoes, asking the same questions, asking the same questions. Yep. And now all of a sudden, man, screw you, you stupid, <laughs> ruining the industry. Can't believe you. <laughs> You know, yep. and it's like, dude, uh, I mean, we're, we're all here to learn. And, and I get they're asking a question that you think is beneath you, but we're here to lift each other up and help. This is not about like being the big dog in the room and making other people feel like they're idiots. Come on now. Totally agree. It's it's very, um, it, 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 I believe that it will lead that new technician into a state of disillusionment. They think that they can join a group that will be helpful and they can ask a question without being chastised for it. And, and they're confronted with people who think they know it all. And even if they're wrong, those doing the chastising, I mean, even if they're wrong, they just flog this guy or girl for asking a question. I mean, it's, it's everybody starts somewhere and it's, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, frustrating to see. I mean, it's extremely frustrating to see, honestly. Well, what normally what people complain about the most, especially like in the, in the ASOC group, is the the repeat questions. So, right, and and I, I can kind of sort of understand where, I mean, if it's obvious that hey, we're not here to be helpful, we want you to feel bad about yourself. That's one thing, but you know, somebody asking a question that uh, you should probably consult all data or Identifix or Mitchell, like. Don't ask for a torque spec that you should be able to look up. And it's like, oh, I don't have any any information. Uh, you know, my shop doesn't subscribe to information. It's like, okay, well, now now we have a different problem we need to talk about. But it, especially in ASOG, the, the credit card question comes up constantly. You know, what kind of shop management system should I use? That comes up constantly. And the, the same like five or six questions get asked over and over and over again, especially if somebody comes in for the first time, they've never seen these questions. They don't use the search function. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan about the search with, uh, of the search function because things change and not necessarily credit card <laughs> processing fees, but there's some other things, some other variables in there. The, the shop manager system, everybody was recommending a year ago may not be what's relevant now. Um, you know, there could have been something else that came out. And so, yeah, it's okay to maybe ask that question more than once. Um, but that's what everybody gets frustrated with. And so they're like, Oh, who cares about this question? They get upset. They start complaining. So I can see a little bit of that. Uh, but you're right. Um, they shouldn't, um, the, the problem is that when people stop, they get afraid to ask any question and then you don't exactly. get any engagement. Uh, and then 
the people that do want to learn can't learn because there's no discussion. It's Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Like It's like when your kid does something wrong and the first reaction is beating them. What are they going to do? They're going to hide it from you. The same thing with a new technician. They're not going to ask you. They're not going to want to uh, get curious. They're just going to bite their tongue and, and hope that one day some other poor soul asked the question that they wanted to ask. Yeah. Well, you know, look, we had some, some veteran technicians that worked for us for a period of time and they absolutely had no interest in helping the next generation. Right. They thought they already knew everything. Word to the wise. If you think you know everything, clearly you don't know anything yet because the more I learn, the less I realize I know, you know, it's like, man, there's a lot out there. But some of those older technicians that I had worked for me really, really, really thought that it was inappropriate to ask them a question, right? And it was an attitude deal. And so I think we see some of that. Now, a lot of those technicians, and, and I don't mean to group everybody into the same category, but a lot of those technicians are older and they wouldn't use Facebook in the first place, right? So I think we still have a lot of that around, but... You know, look, if we can't at least seek to understand where they're coming from first, come on now. You know, it, you've got to understand where they're coming from with their question before you, you go and jump down their throat and blow up on them. And, and the problem is, is it always turns into a snowball effect, right? Because the first person says something or like you said, they tag their buddy and then he talks smack about them and it turns into a whatever you want to call it, shit show. <laughs> yeah i agree um it's discouraging so uh let me ask you this let me ask you this are you okay trashing your old shop mm, uh publicly <laughs> <laughs> to whoever listens to this podcast so you uh, you switched how long ago did you switch shops about a year ago yeah and you, you mentioned uh, on the um, on the live feed last night that one of the reasons 
Well, maybe it wasn't live. But you mentioned that one of the reasons you left uh, your old shop was because of the equipment level. That the well, old shop was refusing to upgrade, I guess, is, is how you made it sound. Uh, yeah, that was a different shop. That wasn't the one that I came from before oh, okay. coming over here. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So tell us about I, that. Well, <laughs> I won't mention any names, but. No, don't mention names. We don't need to, you know, because maybe they saw the light. And they said, you know what? We don't want to lose top talent. We need to make the investment. Who knows? I need man. to buy a Honestly, smaller boat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit complicated because I don't think they were the type that they wanted. They were very humble owners. Uh, they didn't, they're not the type that's like, okay, uh, I want my boat at all costs. Uh, even if it means we're not going to get into programming, let's just get a mobile guy out here. And let him deal with all the programming instead of teaching in-house. It wasn't like that. It was just that they saw the money in doing tires, alignments, and oil changes. And maybe some you know, like regular repairs, but not really diagnostics and programming and stuff like that. So it start, you could tell they, they bought a brand new tire machine, uh, like, like the Cadillac of tire machines, even though the other one was working. And uh, they started up, upping those those discounts, you know, those coupons and whatnot. And what, what value is a diagnostic technician going to bring to a shop that is uh, shifting their focus onto tires and oil changes and alignments? But did they say that to you? They said, hey, we're going to we're not going to invest in diagnostic equipment. We don't see any value in it. We'd rather spend the money on a, what's the fancy hunter, like touchless <laughs> tire machine. What is that thing? Like $25,000, $30,000. Yeah. It's a pretty machine. Yeah. It's pretty, I guess. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't outright explicitly tell me, but you could see it. You could see it in, in, in what they were focusing on. Uh, uh -huh. whenever, whenever I came across programming, I said, hey, we could get a maintainer. I could get the, uh, at the time it was a Cadillac, I could get the GM software factory OE uh, tooling, and we could program this ourselves. And they're like, okay, we're going to think about it, this and that. I'll call the programmer or call the mobile guy. And that was end of end of story, basically. And then- yeah. I started posting stuff about getting into programming and and this and that. And uh, one of the guys from Train by Techs, uh, Tommy specifically, reached out to me and he said, "Hey man, I could I could get you on your way, man. I could you know get you started into programming." And I mean, it's the rest is history. I've I've just started getting all the stuff loaded into my computer uh, until eventually I found a. Uh, reputable source in which I could just buy a computer fully loaded with all the OE software. So he's a great dude. Yeah. Tommy's great. <laughs> he doesn't hold back either. No, no, he definitely. Who the hell did he just get into it with somebody on, on ASOG? Well, I have no idea. I, I don't know. What are you talking about? He I just, he got pissed off at somebody. I can't remember. That was like, listen, this was like five days ago. Well, I know. <sighs> I thought it was Mario, wasn't it Mario? I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't know. I got Maybe. into it. I get into it with some people. I confront those who uh those who piss me off. 
And I, I told you exactly what pisses me off <laughs> at the very beginning. I told you what pisses Just me off. Just that, and, though? Like, that's the only thing that pisses you off? Like, they get they get, uh, they get get to hounding on, on the noobs, and, and they, they start asking uh, basic questions. People get upset. That's the no, biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the mindless crucifying of, of young technicians, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and, and we all have to start somewhere, right? We always have to, mm-hmm. to, to find that initial start. And, and a lot of times the culture in a shop does not allow a technician to be able to pull those opportunities, right? The other techs in the shop aren't always open to that. The shop is, is a production machine, right? It, right. It, the owner is saying, we've got to produce, we've got to produce, we've got to produce. We don't have time for this. We have to produce. I don't have time for you to be in there talking to that tech because he's got stuff to do. If he's in there talking to you, neither one of you are producing, right? So I can understand mm-hmm. that to a degree. But, you know, this creates an opportunity where that tech that's hungry for knowledge. And, and one of the things we talk about with ASOG is, is we always want to look for avenues to create hunger for knowledge, right? That's where my business started to turn around. That's where I turned around as a tech when I first started watching Paul Danner's stuff was that I became hungry for that knowledge. I wanted to get out and find it for myself. And, and, you know, that's some of the stuff we talked about in the AMA last night was you have to, a tech has to be hungry for it, for it to set in it. A a tech has to be hungry for that knowledge to work. And so, you know, we talk about, and, and one of the purposes of the podcast was, is, is I really think there is a divide. There's a chasm between, technicians and owners and technicians and service advisors. If you go into the tech groups and you say something about a shop owner, 50% of that group is going to say, what in the hell, you know, shop owners are complete jackasses. They're all about themselves. And there's a, there's a select few that don't do that. Don't get me wrong. It's not everybody, but I guess my point is a good percentage of those guys in the tech groups are shop owners. What are you talking about? Well, I know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people who... They would you know, not the stick their owner. neck out. Right. They're not going to say anything, try to defend the shop owner. Right. Shop owner, service advisor, it's always somebody else's fault. And 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 I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all. I guess my point is, is, is we've got to close that chasm. We've got to improve this relationship. And one of the ways that we can do it is through education, is through the shop owner realizing that, hey, we need to create a culture for where that new tech can learn and grow. Now, there's got to be limits to that. There's got to be some, I, I don't know the best way to put it. You, you've got to have a policy and a procedure set up for around how that tech goes and ask somebody else. And, and we've got a new tech in the shop. And from time to time, I have to go and say, hey, listen, man, he's got his own thing going on we've been over this five or six times, you need to go on your own on this. Right. And I think a, a, a shop owner is responsible for leading and guiding his technician in the direction they need to go. But if that technician's not hungry, how do you do that, Mario? Well, you expose them to what he should be hungry, hungry for. So either know anything about scopes, anything about diagnostics until I started getting exposed to it. And, uh, I can't thirst for something that I have no idea about. So, uh, and as for learning technicians, usually there's a, a shop foreman or a lead tech that has taken on the task of teaching the new guys or onboarding, as many would say. And I, 
I feel like there's many resources. There's there's no shortage of resources. There's plenty of places where people can learn, and it doesn't have to necessarily cut into production either. Because I I truly believe that most of learning should be done on personal time, and the better you get, the less amount of time that you have to invest into it. So it's a combination of all those things. It's, it's that's why I do what I do with my channel, uh, even though a lot of people disagree with why I'm doing what I'm doing. They think I'm doing a disservice. I disagree with that. I think I'm exposing uh, technicians to diagnostics. And, hold, on, and hold on, hold on. Who, who thinks you're doing a disservice? A lot of people do. I'm, I'm, interested, a, in, in, I'm interested in hearing the argument. Like, what's, what's the... What's the argument like? Where, 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 from what direction are they coming at the the idea that what you're doing is a disservice? I don't, I don't understand. I guess they see anybody who posts like shares information freely on a public platform uh, as somebody who's just uh, given a disservice to the industry in the sense that uh, well, the public is going to see that uh, this and this and that is necessary to do the job, and now they could do it themselves, or they could scrutinize oh, that, our that. labor times. They could, uh, uh, you know, argue for less uh, labor costs or they could just say um, or that it provokes a customer to walk into a shop and say, oh, uh, I've YouTube diagnosed this and all I need you to do is replace this. Anybody who says that, anybody who believes that thought process, I, I will take my clients and show them a video like yours or Paul Danner's or somebody else's, right? I, I can't even see how we could have that conversation that it devalues. Education and information is power, right? And I get that there's a lot of, I, I think a lot of that comes from these people who go onto forums and some guy down the street says, well, you know, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should try this. And and it's a ridiculous. What they say is I'm an engineer, right? dot, dot, dot. And I did this. <laughs> And that immediately validates whatever the hell it is that they're doing and, to and, uh, right. to their vehicle. And I think that has subsided. I've I've seen way less of that. That's a yeah, really the forums bad. have gone away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a really bad problem in the performance world, right? That was something we saw a lot of in the performance world, and it was an issue. But I'm just going to say right now that I, I I don't buy it that this could be a disservice to our industry. I, I think I could see the trainers. <clears throat> Like yeah, the trainers course, that, that put like together your, like a class yeah. and they're like, Hey, I'm going to put a, whatever, a four hour class on, on using whatever, a pressure transducer to diagnose a timing problem or whatever. And somebody, but I, I don't know any tech that would go, Oh, I don't need your four hour class. I watched this 10 minute Mario no, it video. Just make, it creates yeah. that hunger that I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. Right. It creates the hunger. I'm going to go to this training class now because I experienced this. Right. No. And, and, and I, I think that's one of the big things is that, um, you know, the older techs were kind of that way. Like, Oh, I don't share the trade secrets. It was going to put me out. That's exactly it. I mean, that's a very good point that a lot of technicians, um, again, we're not grouping into, uh, one, you know, sector of technicians, but a lot of technicians see it as, um, let's say I'm in a shop and, I'm trying to learn and I I'm not at master level status, I guess, if you want to call it that. And I notice a timing issue or whatnot. And usually it would go to the, you know, 
the, the master technician in the shop because it's not me, right? But I say, well, maybe I could learn from that guy. But what if that guy says, nah, I don't want to teach you. Well, now I could go on YouTube and see how how the job is done. Yeah. And then I, I'm able to do the job myself and make more money. And that other technician is going to say, well, dang, YouTube is costing me jobs at this point. And I think I'm, it's I'm, it's it's a terrible I'm, mentality, personally. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think there's room in the market for those people. I, I really don't. I don't. There, think there'll always be those kind of people, though. There will be, right. They course. they they die scarcity with their secrets. Mindset. I mean, yeah, yeah, scarcity mindset. They think that I've got to hold on to it, otherwise you'll take my pie or a piece mm-hmm. of my pie, and you know the the pie is infinite. Like, I, I there'll just, always be more work for you. I can do my thing. You can do your thing. Like it doesn't like me doing better doesn't take away from you at all. Even within a shop, it just makes the whole shop more productive. Right, but the technician that uh, could have had that job is not seeing it that way because technically your my YouTube video is directly impacting his pocket. So he thinks that, and, but that just gives him an opportunity to move on to a different vehicle. In other words, that that one's just like that's a shop owner's responsibility at that point. I mean, you've got to explain to the guy and saying, "Look, I get, I understand that you think that vehicle has been taken away from you, but really, what that that does is allows me to bring in." one extra timing issue. Does that make sense? Instead of, of leaving all the timing issues, you now have two people. I can have twice as many timing issues come through the shop because there's always timing issues. And I can start pulling timing issues away from the dealership, which makes everybody happy. Well, and, and look, the, the deal is, is I, I think for some reason uh, we've built this mentality. Maybe it's flat rate. Maybe it's, it's, it is flat mentality. rate. <laughs> Yes, I'll just Shots I'll just fired. put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've made no but, secret about it. Well, but I mean, when, like, where? I've never seen you rage on flat rate. Let's talk about it. Oh well, I'll have to direct you to certain conversations I've had in the past. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we got to do it on the podcast. Save it off and save it for the podcast. That's the uh, that's the new hashtag. Save it for the podcast. Don't talk. But about my it. point is this, though, right? Is that if we as an industry want to improve and move forward, right? If we want to bridge this gap between technicians and owners, I, you know, if the shop is more profitable, then the technician is more profitable. And, and I don't know. I mean, I may know two or three shop owners who were truly focused on just putting money in their pocket, not taking care of their people. I mean, David's one of them, but you know, I, I don't know that. I don't many make shop any money. Who, I don't know what you're talking about. That's a big I, if. I Lucas. may know one or two shop owners who are interested in loading their pockets. Right. It, it, it's I, not I know a, a couple. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure there are. I know a lot of them too. They're not, none of them are on the Facebook group. Right. That's my that's point. Sure. It's like the, by the time they get on the Facebook group and they're exposed, uh, you know, th- these are normally, uh, newer shop owners, uh, that are struggling and they need to figure out what it is. That's how I was. And they need to figure out a way out and they get exposed to the ideas that are discussed in the forum. Typically the ones that are doing extremely well. And if they can get that extra timing job, like they're, they're just focused on that bottom line. They're not on the Facebook groups. They're not sharing with other shop owners. They want their boat. They're probably on their boat. They're enjoying their boat. They're not, they don't have time for the Facebook group. And those are usually chain stores. I mean, so it, it's all, it almost ends up being like the, the technician that we're talking about that doesn't want to share 
any information with the next generation. It's the, you know, the previous generation shop owner doesn't want to share any information with the new shop owner down the street. Certainly the one down the street, because they, you know, they might take a car or two away from them and they want to pad their pockets. Well, and I mean, I, I can understand that, but I, I guess my point is, is that the majority of these technicians who are in these groups, I, I would venture to say, could be in a shop that is really interested in their best interest, has a culture that's about developing the technicians in growth and, and improvement for them. And, and I know in my shop, when my shop does well, my technicians do well, right? That's the yeah, that makes sense. They're protected when we don't do well. And they are rewarded when we do well. Yeah, that's the whole point. That that's what I'm working towards. I, this is as much their shop as it is mine. And and the reason that I believe that is is because I really care about my customers. I care about the experience they have. You know, and and I'll just say, last night, you know, I saw something where a a, a client didn't have a good experience. I could not sleep over it. I was like over here texting David at two o'clock in the morning, like, oh my God. You sleep? <laughs> no, not really. I, you know, but my point is, is that I care so much about that experience for my client and doing the right thing for my client. If I'm not doing the right thing for my technicians and I'm building this culture where it's dog eat dog, they're not doing what's right for my client. Yeah. So, but you're the exception, man. I mean, let's face I, I, it. There's a lot of doggy but, dog uh, shops out there. The the technician that's on these tech that that are on these forums asking questions about scopes and the, the thing that floors me is the ones that buy their own equipment. The ones that uh, yeah. I bought a an e scope for uh, one of my techs, um, and the, the guy was upgrading from uh, an older e scope to like the new eight channel one or whatever, and he was buying it out of pocket. Things like five grand or fifty five hundred dollars, whatever the hell it is. He's buying it More. out of pocket, which is well, okay. Well, whatever. I'm I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> he's buying it out of pocket. That's insane yep. to me. Like I, I, I would, and I get it. Like you know, I have one tech. Well, they all want to buy their own stuff, but you know, they'll they'll put money into a a three or four hundred dollar tool, and they'll splurge on the toolbox. And they'll buy like uh, a ball joint press might be seven hundred bucks, but that's the extent of it. They're not buying fifty five hundred dollars scopes to scope a car for themselves. I, I just why wouldn't the shop owner step up and buy that for the guy? If the guy's interested, if he wants to learn, step up and buy it for the person. I, I just don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. I guess it's past experiences because a lot of shops, a lot of shop owners can argue that. Oh, I bought a scope for the shop and it just collects dust, but their technicians aren't being exposed to what is out there. The, these, these different techniques and scope usage. A lot of people brush off scopes as a, a huge production, waste of production because they haven't taken the time. They haven't invested the time to learn how to use them efficiently. And it, it's, it's hard to teach a shop owner or a technician a whole new way of thinking. Uh, it's just as hard as it is to change uh, a, an old school technician into a mentality where they can use scopes. It's just as hard to change the mind of those who believe that they should keep their secrets because that's directly affecting their, their pocket. They don't want to invest in others. They don't want to invest 
the big the big word for me is invest. Well, and and I agree with that, right? I I, I think that's huge. And and if you look at at David's training budget, my training budget, any just about any shop in ASOC's training budget, you know, and the fact that we're requiring training to a hour, right? Like you you know, in my shop, it's a hundred hours a year. And and you're paying your techs for going to the training and you're paying for the training and you're buying their food and you're paying for the hotel. There's a lot of shops that do that. And and I guess my point and what I'm trying to convey is, is we've got these groups of phenomenal technicians, right? We've got we've got several groups that have these really phenomenal technicians in them. We have got these groups that have phenomenal owners, right? Owners that are miles above the rest, the best of the best right? Truly interested in investing in their people, doing what's best for their people, right? And and I get that that is the exception, not the rule. But if we bring those two things together and we've got a situation where those techs can, A, get involved with those owners, but B, can get their owner involved with this. And if their owner's not looking at growing, you know, the ability for the technician to see a little bit of that owner side, understand a little bit of that owner side and take things to the next level through that. I, I guess my point is, is, is for so long we have sat around and said, well, this is just the way the industry is. <laughs> this is awful. And nobody's done anything, right? Maybe it's time we start doing something about it. We come together as an industry and say, look, we have the opportunity to fix this. Let's fix it because we have tools that we've never had before. We have relationships we've never had before. We have networks we've never had before. Let's do something about it. Let's quit talking about what's wrong. Let's start fixing it. So what are you going to do first? I, I, I Look, I've told you what I'm going to do first. Well, I what's mean, up? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, how will you gather everybody? How, how will you get everybody look, I, I, on the same train? For me, you don't get everybody on the same train, but what you do first is you have an event and you call it the state of the industry, right? And you have a group of technicians in one room. You have a group of service advisors in one room. You have a group of owners in one room. You have a group of educators and trainers in one room. And you let them talk about what the issues are and and brainstorm on potential that Sounds solutions. like a therapy session. That's exactly what it is. Oh. Where do you think I got the idea? And, and well, I look, get it, but... While while we're having this therapy session, we're sending you to actual therapy. <laughs> no, I, well, yeah, but I, I won't show up. Do we need therapy, anyway. <laughs> or should we, or should we have like a Gordon Ramsay type fella that will just come in and just yes, there you go, just, just sh- screaming at people. I love it. That's a, that's a much better idea. What, what about what about action. giving? Because here's the thing: like I, I agree with Lucas. Like we got something has to be done, but we need to decide. You know what? What we we either approach it from the shop owner standpoint, and there's only so much. I, I as far as the shop owner goes, um, there are very. There's a lot on a shop owner's plate. In in, uh, Dutch had a rant in the starting a shop owner group, um, about giving away diagnostic time. And he, he pointed out that the, the shop owner that gives away diagnostic time, rolls it into the repair, is operating on fear. Fear that that customer will get upset and not come back. Fear that they may not be able to get the repair. 
fear that uh, that they're going to be accused of being uh, of price gouging. Because that, and and really, fear uh, from a mindset of scarcity. They just think there won't be another car. And there's always another car, right? But because they need to pay the bills, they're, they're going to do whatever they can to get a sale. And so they'll say, yeah, sure, I, if, if you let me diagnose it and you do the repair with me, I won't charge you the diagnostic time. And so that's how they operate. And, and he points out that because of your own fear you're giving away a huge chunk of your profitability and some of the most expensive time that you've put into the vehicle is not being compensated. And that's going to prevent you from being able to invest in equipment and be able to hire the best technicians. I I don't know any top diagnostician that would be willing to go work at a shop where they give away their diagnostic time. That's absurd, right? And so you're not going to hire, you're not going to be able to attract top talent. You can just throw that out the window. And, and I get it. They, they think, well, I'm just going to do this while I'm working on vehicles myself. And as soon as I get somebody hired, but you'll never get to that point. That's the catch 22. You never get to the point where you're, you're funded well enough to be, to feel comfortable hiring a top talent technician. And so you're stuck. But because they're operating from fear, you're not necessarily going to be able to convince a shop owner that is operating with that mentality to shift their mindset uh, because fear is ingrained. It's, it's, it's visceral and it, it's really difficult to see them, to, to make them see past that. A technician, on the other hand, can be given specific tools to implement in their own shop, in their own lives, in their own career to help either push this shop along to something better or go find a better shop. And as top talent starts to move away from these shops that just refuse to change, the shops that are willing to put in the time, effort, energy, and money into developing top talent, they're going to reap the benefits. And I think Dutch has also said this several times. Some of these shops just need to go away. Yeah. And you almost have to starve them out, starve them of talent. In other words, just the hacks are going to be working at these shops. They're going to be ruined because of loss of product productivity. They break things. Don't get me started on that. Or uh, they're, they're going to be starved because they can't find any help, and therefore they're not going to be able to take care of their customers. They're going to get piled up with cars and just start turning work away, or cars are, are going to get towed out of their their lots because they can't they don't have the manpower to deal uh, with the, the vehicle. And so it's going to get towed to the shops that have the top talent, that are productive, uh, that can fix a car efficiently, that can fix the car effectively, and those customers are all going to move to those shops. And so, you know, the the wheat's going to be separated from the chaff, and that can start from the technician's the technician standpoint. Does does that make sense? Absolutely. I've been thinking about that for a while. Actually, uh, I do believe it will start from the technician. Uh, standpoint because i mean well let's face it most shop owners were technicians they started out as technicians but in general i i'm trying 
little by little to convince every technician that I can to increase their skills. And once they increase their skills, they have more leverage. They have more ability to choose. And once they have the ability to choose and they have that leverage, then you start walking away from these hack shops that won't invest, that won't train, that won't tool up, that won't charge for a diagnostic uh, or testing fees, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the technician has a lot of power. And, but that power is useless without the skill. Uh, it's the skilled technicians that will have this power. And it, it, it doesn't decide. I don't 100% agree with that because it doesn't need to be specific defined skill. It just has to be the willingness to obtain it. That, that'll be the difference because the technician that says, Hey, I want to go to this training class. Hey, I want to buy a scope. Hey, I want to buy this piece of equipment. I want to get into programming. Uh, I want to be able to get into ADOS, whatever it happens to be, whatever piece of technology or whatever aspect, technological aspect of the industry that they're interested in and they want to get into that can be uh, profitable for the shop. That's important. We had the, this, this discussion with Keith uh, Perkins last night about ADOS. And I, I said, pragmatically, it's just difficult to justify the financial investment in an ADOS machine for a lot of smaller shops. Like I, I got, I get it. If you have an 8,000 square foot facility, you have the space and you can section it off and this, that, and the other, you can do uh, ADOS and you can justify the cost or you need a big tax write-off. You can go and buy that piece of equipment. Um, and, th and that makes sense, but that's not every shop. Most shops are my size. Uh, you know, I, I've got uh, just enough room. Just enough room. And I could use more space, but whatever. There's not a lot of available buildings in my area. And sort of I'm sort of stuck here. I can't I can't put an ADOS machine in my shop. It's just not going to happen ever. So I don't know that I would want my technician to get into ADOS, but you know, uh, doing uh or rebuilding modules, that's different. I can set up a section of the shop just to rebuild modules and just do that. And that's, that's practical to me. And I can see a return on my money invested on that. So if my technician approaching, which this has happened, my, my technician talked about in, uh, uh, having an interest in doing that. Well, then fine. Great. It doesn't mean that the person has to have the skill. They just have to show a desire to obtain the skill. And there has to be a, an ROI for the, for the tech, for the owner. As long as those two things are there. Go for it. The technician should at least have confidence that this is either going to be the right shop for me and they're going to embrace my curiosity and my willingness to learn, or I, I need to move on. They need to make that choice. And I get it. It's a hard, scary choice, but they need to, they need to have the confidence in making that choice. Does that make sense? You know, look, a, a couple points to that. Right. First of all, Mario, you said something that kind of resonates with me and you said the technician has power. And I, I think the technician, especially in today's market, does have power. Now, that being said, uh, if they're if they're focusing that energy, focusing that power in the right direction, you know, I, I, I've even got a video somewhere on ASOG where it talks about the circle of control. Right. Focusing our energy on the things that we can actually control, the things that we can do something about. 
is very, very important. And I think the technician does have power in this scenario because every single shop you talk to is looking for a technician. It is a technician's market right now. No yes. doubt about it. Absolutely. I, I think that when we look at this, though, the technician has to recognize that he has to be part of the solution, right? And that switching shop to shop to shop to shop is only going to make other shop owners look at him and say, huh, I wonder why he's been here. I wonder why he's been there. He's jumping around, right? And and it, still yet, it's a technician's mark. He's got a pretty good chance of getting hired. But why not be part of the solution? Now, every owner is not interested in in fixing their shop or fixing the problems. Not every owner is interested in listening to a technician talk about what the problems are in the shop. But if we can get a technician into a shop where there is that good culture, there is that willingness to improve and change the shop and, and have a dynamic relationship with your staff, I don't think it's that the technician has to have, quote unquote, power. I think that they have to be part of the solution, right? They have to strive to be part of the solution. And, you know, one of the things that came up, and, and this is a sensitive topic for some, but one of the things that came up, I've got a really good friend named Jen, and Jen made a post a while back in a number of technician groups, and, and she said, you know, what are the big things you're looking for? Because they're looking for a technician. This is a fantastic shop to work for, you know, pays really well, has a ton of benefits, has everything that you would think a technician wants. And she posts and she says, you know, look, we've, we've been looking for a technician. It's been really hard to find a technician. What is it you guys are looking for? What, I, I want to be better for you. What is it that you're looking for? And about 50% of the responses were absolutely out of this world. They were so unrealistic. We deserve 50 to 70% of the labor. We deserve this. We deserve that. Look, you're probably talking to a lady who pays her technicians better than 50% of the shops in the nation in the first place. Is it only about money, Mario? Is that what I'm to take away from those people saying that? How do we, how do we get to a spot where we're finding technicians who want to be part of the solution, who aren't just focused on money, who are willing to be paid well and have all these great benefits, but they're focused on being part of the solution, not just getting what they think they deserve. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, it's kind of ironic that a lot of technicians, uh, f they disagree with flat rate, but they are money motivated and, uh, <laughs> It seems as if they want to have control over their income. And I, I, I do think that <clears throat> a lot of technicians, when they respond to something like that, like in that particular situation, they don't really, they're not really thinking about what they're saying to begin with. Right. They're not actually giving, they're not giving an active solution. They're just, they're just, you know, kind of joking around sometimes. And uh, they're not really taking into consideration that this is a real uh, shop owner and this is a real situation. And some of them like to abuse the fact that there is a tech shortage and they, they kind of like rub it in their faces. Unfortunately, we have a lot of technicians in this industry that just don't really care that they are indifferent of the state of the industry. And uh, it shows. It shows in social media. It shows everywhere. And I, I think we, we got to wake them up. We got to wake them up yeah. and, and get them active and become a, become a solution 
to the industry as a whole, not just to their personal livelihood, livelihood, not just to their personal uh, obligations. Well, they need to understand that it'll benefit them. Right. Exactly. The, to, you know, to, the, to push up the industry, to make the industry better, to at least the, the public perception of the industry. Uh, I think that's the biggest key is not necessarily the, what do you mean by pushing up the industry or making the industry better? It's like the fact that we flood the area or the industry with more technicians isn't really going to help a technician. It's going to help the shop owner who's going to be able to pick who they want and get rid of the dead weight. Um, right now, because there's such a shortage of technicians, the technician can pick the shop that they want and ignore the dead weight. Uh, so flooding the, the industry with, with new technicians doesn't really help the technician. However, pushing technicians to see themselves as, you know, the, who they are professionally, who they need to be perceived as professionally will get the public to understand that yes, this is an expensive repair because there's a certain level of sophistication that it needs to be implemented in properly fixing this piece of machine, this machinery, this, this piece of technology. And I don't think people understand that they see the grease monkey, they see the guy banging away and they think that the guy banging away, uh, the grease monkey working at the, the quick lube, um, the hacky quick lube. Not all quick lubes are the same. I get it. Uh, I'm not trying to insult the quick lubes. Hey, did you see the guy who posts uh, on ASOG? I'm going to get off on a tangent. Sorry, Lucas. Did you see the guy that posts his like Saturday line of cars every single week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy's yeah. nuts. And he's making money hand over fist. You should see. I mean, it's crazy when the guy posts and somebody, somebody will say something. They're like, oh, you can't make your money on, on oil changes. And he's like, yeah, I'm, making, I'm doing fine. Don't worry about me. And he's making good money. Anyway, uh, so not to disparage the good quick lube places, uh, I'm talking about the hacky shops. So they, a lot of the public will equate the hacky shops with a more sophisticated shop or a shop that's doing the work properly, that's paying their technicians properly, that is investing in equipment and, and in training and development. They think it's all the same. And so we need to be very deliberate about what we're talking about when we're saying bettering the industry. It's so people compensate the shops and therefore the technicians properly for the amount of time, effort, energy, and talent needed to fix these cars properly. You, you said something huge there though. You said something really, important. I always do dear. I always it, do <laughs> professionalism, professionalism. Right. And, and that's a big one that What's we've that? got to find. <laughs> if, we, if we want to be seen as a professional industry, we have to act as professionals. And, and I get, you know, you get into the technician groups. It's a little bit different type of group. And, and look, you know, we hear it all the time. Uh, we can't curse an ASOG? Look, we, the reason you can't curse an ASOG is because Scott came to us and said, I want to paint a professional picture of this industry we have got to change the face of our industry and and nobody else is going to start doing it fine we'll start doing it we want to create a professional image for our industry and you know i, I think that's so important that we begin to change that face a little bit and and you know mario you said something earlier 
And and this is something we've talked about on the podcast over and over and over again. A technician's unhappiness shop. Fine, screw these guys. I'll go start my own shop. I don't need them. Right? Now, all of these bad habits, all of these things that this technician thinks about the automotive industry is rolled into his new shop, right? It's got poor profitability because he didn't understand. He just thought, well, I get to take all this money home. He didn't understand that the job of running an auto repair shop is not the same job as fixing a car. And so he begins to run the business and he runs the business based on his beliefs as a technician. And this continues the image problem our industry has. I can fix that car for half of what that shop does, and I can put all that money in my pocket, and I won't be ripping the client off. Yep. Five, ten years later, you know what that technician's doing? He's freaking out. He doesn't have any money in his pocket. He can't send his kids to school. He doesn't have any retirement. He never transitioned from technician to business owner. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying I don't think technicians should become shop owners. In the end of all this, my vision is, is is for my shop to be owned by my technicians, right? I'm not saying that technicians shouldn't be business owners. I'm saying that there are some that should likely remain as technicians. I'm saying that there are some that would be great owners, but they need to go through the training first to understand what being an owner is and the aspects of being an owner so we don't damage the image of our industry further by following the same path we've been down. Because I'm going to tell you something, you know, when I hired a business coach, I started working with Rick White years ago and he said, listen to me. If what you were doing was going to work, it would have worked 10 years ago. It's not going to work. How about we try my way? And why does that apply here? Well, because if this method of technicians becoming shop owners are going to work, make them millionaires, make them successful, give them the, the freedom and the abilities that they wanted. It would have already worked. We've got to do things differently. We have to come up with a different operation, a different system, a different plan. How do we do that? I think uh, too many technicians want to become shop owners. I, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but there's too many of them. I wanna, Most of them should talk to me before they <laughs> jump out there. <laughs> I, I would like to kind of create a timeline. You have a, a technician, let's say the top dog in a shop. He has got he's got the dog eat dog with mentality. He doesn't want to share. He doesn't want to share to the other guys because it'll affect his pocket, right? And he's willing to do side work for less money. He's willing, maybe even to take customers from the shop. Let's just go to the extreme there. And I think all this goes hand in hand. You guys are mentioning uh, valuing diagnostics. You, you guys are mentioning bettering the industry, the perception of the industry. Well, that technician who didn't care to share with other technicians and has directly competed with the shop that fed him now decides, well, let me make my own shop let me do it my way. And it, it's, it's a, it snowballs from there, right? It's, it's not even a lack of training. They could be perfectly trained, but they still have that it, deep inside. They still have that same mentality, that doggy dog. There's, there's no such thing 
as improving the industry and dog eat dog in the same in the same person is just is just impossible. You, you cannot yeah. improve the industry as a whole while only being concerned of your own personal interest. To elevate the industry will cost you. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a technician, if you're a shop owner, if you're a trainer, it's going to cost you to elevate the industry. It comes at a price. And when I see a lot of uh, shop owners who don't care, like they, they, they don't care for the relationship of their customers. They, they just want the quick cash. They just want the quick repairs. And they don't want to invest in their technicians or training that's a result of all these things that have happened in this timeline. They've been brought up in a doggy dog world and they've never changed from that. Well, yeah, that's my point though. Why not starve them out? I, I totally agree with starving them out. I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I believe that uh, every technician should up their skills, get hungry and don't, Give an inch to any shop that's not willing to meet these basic requirements, training, tooling. Yes, pay, but pay is not everything. Uh, I, I know a lot of tech, very talented technicians who are willing to take a pay cut to have a better environment, to have a better culture, and to be able to share with others, uh, not to have to worry about the carrot chase, so to speak. They can take the time to teach another technician and, and still make money to bring the food to the table, you know, like they, they could still accomplish all these things. And I believe that the technicians should not pay any mind to, to the shops that are not willing to take, to invest in training, tooling, the technician and the value of our diagnostic abilities. Do you know who Zig Ziglar is? Was Eric Ziglar? Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar. Uh, I've seen quotes. Well, he always said that that you get what you want in life by helping enough uh, enough other people get what they want, right? Oh, and, I like that. And and I that's like something. That, oh yeah, and that's something that I've really you know I, I I go through hard weeks, right? Things aren't going my way, and there's one video that that's on YouTube, and it's called "See You at the Top," and I'll watch or listen to that. I'll go on a long test drive, and I'll listen to that while I'm on the test drive, and. um you know, that's, that's where a lot of my thought process has come from about improving things because, you know, I think at the end of the day, you get to an age and all of a sudden you're not about just making dollar bills. You're about leaving a legacy behind. You're about doing yeah. something bigger, something that wasn't about yourself. And, and, you know, maybe it was the way I was raised. I don't know. But at some point you've got to shift gears and say, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for the others, whether it's my technicians, whether it's my clients, whether it's my friends, whether it's the others in our industry. At some point you have to shift gears and say, I'm doing this for the greater good. And I think that in so many ways we've gotten away from taking care of our people and our people have then turned into this dog-eat-dog -dog world. And, and maybe this industry has always been that. I just never saw it, right? I, I got into a group with really good shop owners who really cared about their people. I just don't see it that much. So 
I mean, we've got to come up with a solution. We've got to begin to move this in a different direction than where it's going because where it's been going has not been productive. Would you agree? Absolutely. It's been productive to those benefiting from it. Yeah, unfortunately. If you look at the national chains, I mean, that's how they operate. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, whoever gets there early, the dealerships are the same way too. I I remember sitting in uh, my my community college, taking a tech class, and my instructor up there was a, like, grizzled vet, uh, GM tech, and he told everybody, get to work early. Why do you want to get to work early? Get there before everybody else. Then you can scan through the tickets and you can grab the most profitable jobs before anybody else gets there. Now, if the car pulled in, you'll start tear down before anybody else gets to work. If you're the last one there, you're not going to be able to grab the most profitable work. And, and, and I mean, profitable in the sense that a lot of build hours were sold on the ticket and you know how to get it done in half the time. And so that mentality is being taught to some of these students, right? With that mindset. And then they go to work at, to one of these national or at one of these national chains or at the dealership, the dealership tells them if you're not flagging 25 hours within 90 days, you're, you're gone. And so it becomes dog eat dog. I mean, it's, it's, it's what they're being taught. It's what's being reinforced. That's all they know. And I don't know why they don't leave, but that's my point is empowering these technicians to say, no, I'm not going to put up with this garbage. I don't need to be at the dealership. I can go find somebody else. There are a thousand other independent repair shops that would love to have me because I come with the right attitude and I'm willing to learn. And I think that's, that's the biggest key. And that's what I see missing is that willingness to learn that, that hunger to learn, to, to better themselves. And I, I know that's what you're talking about. Mario is encouraging the technicians to do that, but man, you know, in, when you get into a situation, you start talking to technicians that are complaining about how little they're being paid, how many hours they are forced to work, the garbage vehicles that are coming in, uh, that the hacky tricks that the, the shop owners forcing them to do because they just need to get the car out the door. Some of this falls on the technician because it's like, dude, you know, how many training classes did you do last quarter? You know, you can jump online and, and Keith Perkins has it like 25 bucks a month. What's, what's uh, Paul Danner's subscription? What is it? Like a hundred dollars like a year, 11 bucks a month. a month. It's so cheap. It's so cheap. And then like, and I get it. Like, you're not going to walk into every shop and say, look, I have my own, uh, L one subscription or I have my own Paul Danner subscription, but man, that should be like a badge of honor. Does that make sense? Like they should be able to walk into a shop and they should be able to ask the shop, Hey, do you belong to ASOG? Number one. (laughs) (laughs) And if they say yes and say, Hey, I'd love to come work here. Look, I belong to, uh, to Paul Danner's premium group, or, you know, I, I pay for my own training because I want to be better. I mean, that's enough for me. I'd hire you on the spot. Even though they didn't go to vision, even if they didn't go to vision, man, they don't even know about vision here. 
<laughs> I know. I've mentioned this That's before. I mentioned. I, dude, it's crazy. They don't, we, it's, you know, it's down the street. Hey, hey I, did you go to Vision last year? Vision? I went to the trade show. No, 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 the training. It's training too. They think it's a tech show, like a trade show. They, that's all they, they know it as. They don't They're know. Enthusiasts. Not uh, technicians no, they, in training. They're, they're, they're I enthusiasts. Mean, they're, they're being paid. Some of these guys are being paid extremely well. Some of them know what they're doing, but that that's what I'm, what I mean is like, they don't need, they think that the skills they've obtained up to this point is enough. I, mm. I know how to work on X, Y, Z. I know how to run this scan tool and I can diagnose most things and I'm very confident in my abilities and I can flag so, so many hours. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing to better yourself? And then, you know, deer in the headlights. It's like, well, I'd really don't have time to go to training and I'm really tired at night and this, that, and the other. And it's like, oh, come it, on. Is part of that a shop owner problem though? It, is part of that a shop owner who says, it's everyone's don't problem. Have time for this. It's yeah, everyone's problem. But, but I'm saying like the, the minute that uh, it, it is everybody's problem, but that's my point is that it, it just takes one, one small action. Like on the technician standpoint, they sign up for some inexpensive training and you have to hand it to these trainers and you know, they don't help if they don't want to pay for it. They could just say, look at my YouTube subscription list. <laughs> these are the guys I subscribe to on YouTube. The, the watch my, my, my watch history. You can see in my watch history, what I spend my time watching. I don't spend my time on TikTok just flipping through 30 second uh, booty shaking videos. And that's all I'm, I want to be completely clear. I, I've got two technicians that their watch history wouldn't bother me. I've got one technician that I would probably need some type of mental <laughs> intervention after. <laughs> now, I've, no, I've, I've seen the guy's Amazon history. I'm good. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't I'm My good. point, though, is that you get somebody that walks in the door and they they show me their watch history. If they don't want to pay for training, if they're really really hard up and they can't pay the twenty five bucks a month, or they can't pay the ten dollars or eleven dollars a month to, for Paul Danner stuff, but they come in and they they all they have to do is prove. Look, I, I'm I'm saving up for my first scope. I am I'm trying to better myself. I'm in a shop right now that doesn't care. And I'm telling you, it, you know, hold even up, if they thought up. they wait, couldn't wait, 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 find wait, 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 a shop, go ahead. The, 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 here's the thing though. There is, they need a to network. get starved out. Those other shop owners don't say it's a shop owner from those screw those guys. They need to be starved not, out. Listen, they need to I'm lose their talent. That, I've told you before that I don't think these shops should be in business. I've, I've got shops around me that, that they're making money hand over fist. That's my point. And, and Listen, I'm just going to say that there are shops around me who are taking advantage of the clients. I know it. I see it. I, it, It's clear and present, right? I completely understand that. Those shops shouldn't be in business because they're taking advantage of the clients. They still need to have people working on the cars. They're, they're taking advantage of their technicians, and they're not technicians, right? I can give you one example. They're paying their guys $12.50 an hour. They will hire anybody. You, you ever changed all? Yeah. All right. You're our new technician. Right. I, I okay, but the every... technician that technician comes in, starts making twelve fifteen an hour, is uh, screwing up oil changes and messing up uh, tire rotations. Fine, let them do that. The minute they catch a, a Super Mario video and they're watching it, and their eyes like widen, and they go, 
holy crap, this was a whole world I didn't know about. And they go to their shop owner and they they go, hey, um, I, I get it that I only make twelve fifty an hour. I don't want to pay a raise. I want wait, you to wait, buy this wait, piece oh, of equipment, or but, can you get me into this training class? I don't class? think that's what happens. Yeah, it's a best case scenario. It's it's right. a it's I a think little what happens is extreme. Is this guy sits here for years, and and maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years, and he's like, screw this. I get yelled at. I get screamed at. I'm trying my very best. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get better. Why in the hell would I want to learn more? Why would I want to be better? I should just go do something else. I'm, you know, a new tech goes into a dealership and he gets stuck changing tires for three years. A new tech comes it's way in and longer goes than into three a, years, dude. I got a tech that works yeah. for me. And I think he was in it for eight years and they, all they kept, I, they kept stringing them along. They're like, oh, oh, we're going to get you. We're going to get you into the program. We're going to get you into this program. We're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. They never do. He was, he was essentially cheap labor. What's a dealership? Screw the dealerships. That's my point. Get out of the dealership. That is what is creating this image. That is why we have the situation we have because shop owners won't go to schools. They won't participate in the schools. They won't get into the advisory academies. They won't go to the schools and speak to the students. They won't get out and, and be an image in the community, right? They don't get out. They don't participate with stuff like ASOG and the other groups. And 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 what gets me about technicians is, is we've got these groups. We've got these fantastic groups of great shop owners and great technicians. But for some reason, we can't bridge the gap. We can't bring those two groups together and say, look, we've got a really great shop in your town that's genuinely looking for a good tech and wants to take good care of them. And you're a really good tech and you believe in doing what's right for the client. You know, it's just like I tell my guys in my shop, they're not my clients. They're your clients. Yeah. Take good care of them. And if we could bridge that gap and get these great shop owners in line and, and get, but these I'm great telling you what'll do it. What will make that shift though. I'm, what I'm telling you is the minute the techs stop putting up with it, Absolutely. that's going to make the difference. Agree. It'll flip overnight. When every, well, every single I don't know about technician that's, it'll be overnight. I'm not kidding. Every single technician that's in these groups that complains in, in that they're not right, being but, I mean, you compensated might not have for technicians training. tomorrow if you do that. No, that, see, I don't have to worry about that. Well, some of them could leave. I'd be okay with that. But I'm not saying like, <laughs> I don't, look, the shop owners have to worry about their technicians leaving. Should look in the mirror and mm-hmm. go, holy crap. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Yeah, or even I, if they're worried that. about it, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd be like, so like, that's fine. What are the, I don't, they've got nothing to complain about here. I'm just telling you right now. And trust me. They've got nothing to complain about. <laughs> oh, my, my guys have got plenty to complain <laughs> Every about. Every shop owner be should be able ass. to say that. Every shop owner should be able to say that. And but but the, the look, thing I, is, I'm just saying that at the minute that they stop putting up with it, and they're like, oh, my shop owner won't do this. My shop owner won't buy all that. My shop owner won't buy that piece of equipment. My shop, get out of that shop. What are you doing? And all I'm saying is, yes, imp- I agree. is, is, I agree. is, is just make the decision. Get online, get on Facebook and say, I'm done. Find somebody help me find a new shop. There'll yeah, be absolutely. shop owners jumping over them. So they'll be tripping over themselves to th- raise their hand and say, yep, me, that's it. I'm your shop. Come on down. You, you paid for your own training. Done. Come down. You bought your own scope. That's what you, cause you, you want to learn how to do, how to use it done. I'll hire you tomorrow. What, what salary do you want? 
we can decide whether I can pay pay it or not. Not everybody. Don't get too not, crazy. Not, <laughs> not everybody's like you. Uh, you when, when you're talking to a, a prospect employee, you're asking what kind of training do you want, what, what equipment do you want. But most shop owners, in my uh, limited experience, I guess you could say, uh, the first thing they ask is, "Well, how many hours do you bill?" They don't think about other things like I I could do breaks all day and make a 200% efficiency, but they don't consider that the, the tougher these cars get, the, that the more it diminishes the efficiency. Well, well it's, it's a mixture of things, but usually, especially with these more complex vehicles, you're not going to get the amount of efficiency that you could get off of sold jobs with parts ready for you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, no, 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 no. Linda, listen. Let me explain. You see, that is part of the problem, not the solution. The the problem is, is that we have painted this picture that it is not acceptable to charge our clients for the time that we're working on their automobile. It is our responsibility as shop owners. It is our responsibility as technicians to educate them about the fact that I have to be paid for my time. Right? I, not not necessarily your time. So your, an eight-hour diagnosis, are you just going to run the clock and then let the customer pay for it? or? Well, it depends. I, so hold on. That, that depends. Is it eight hours because you don't know what you're doing or is it eight hours eight. because it actually took eight hours to do? That that That's completely different. I'm not going to charge my customer because you've never worked on this vehicle or that system on this vehicle and, and you need to learn. The technician gets paid. Right. Let, let's but, not cross. Well, that hold on now. Now me. Yeah. So my, I pay my guy's salary for that reason. I want that technician to learn. I want you to find a faster way to diagnose this next time. So it doesn't take eight hours. I prefer you do it in three or one. I will still, I will find a fair compensation for your time and, and, and energy and my cost in equipment or whatever to be able to effectively and efficiently diagnose this vehicle. David, before you, before you continue your rant, I do have a question. It's of <laughs> utmost importance. Um, when you put pokey time on your payroll, do people question that? On my payroll <laughs> or on the invoice? Well, the invoice or where you're paying your employees. I mean, does your HR company wonder what pokey time is? Pokey time. Hey, I, my, <laughs> give it to the pokey guy. The guy wants to poke everything. No, it's it's fine. Look, I'm just what about the beaver? Um, <laughs> why do you have to bring up the beaver? We've moved every on time. past the beaver every, every time. time, every time. <laughs> so, oh, in man. all like in all seriousness, what do we as shop owners have to do to fix that image in the technician's mind? I mean, how do we turn this around and get back to a different spot? What what steps does the shop owner have to take? I personally take big issue with flat rate, man. I think flat rate should be dead, and it's it's uh, it's it's dying too slow, in yeah. my opinion, man. To be honest with you, man, that's my real issue. I've I've been through flat rate shops, and they have high expectations and minimal tooling, minimal investment, and they just want to. I mean, uh, well, hopefully, I'm not going to say it because I don't know what's going to be put out there. I don't want to. <laughs> I'd rather no, speak to you guys. If, if, if 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 there's something you don't want to to come out, all you gotta do is say, "Hey, don't air that," and David will cut it out. Maybe. Yeah, I can't take that risk. And he's in your group too. <laughs> that the shop owner that I'm talking about is in your group. Well, I mean, you can 
hypothetically, how's that? It's very specific. I mean, uh, if I even say what kind of shop it is, they're not gonna, they're going to know exactly who, who it is. If I say this, the ceiling height, they'll know exactly who it oh, is. Oh man, one of those deals, huh? One of those deals. I used to pay flat rate like that. The point is, is every shop owner starts somewhere. Every technician starts somewhere. If we give them the tools they need to improve, if they're willing to learn, if they're willing to grow, and we're willing to give them the tools they need, the sky's the limit, right? And, and you know, what we do here in my shop is we give everybody a salary, right? They get paid for 40 hours, and they get paid well for 40 hours, and then once they hit a certain number of hours, that dollar amount goes up. Once they hit the next number of hours, whatever that category is, the dollar amount goes up. We pay for training. We pay for um, any special. Mario, do you like, like complicated, convoluted bonus structures? Mine is not complicated. I, uh, <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, uh, <laughs> what, what do you mean by complicated bonus structures <laughs> so not lucas i'm not talking about lucas there have been i have talked i don't to know his owners. his pay structure i don't well, know anybody's he, pay structure <laughs> right right <laughs> but my yeah. i've i've had conversations with shop owners that have actually come back and said hey uh my technicians don't understand my pay structure like they, they don't i've tried to explain it to them and I've told them, you know, if you hit this number here, you jump up to this pay and this, that, and the other. And they don't, they don't understand it. It, it doesn't serve as a motivation to that technician because they don't get it. It's, it's a little too, it's a little too complicated. Like if you've got to look, if you can't do the math easily in your head, in my mind, maybe I, you know, I'm just talking out my rear, but I'm just saying, if you can't do the math in your head, if you can't look at your numbers, like your build hours of the week and say, I'm going to make X amount of dollars. Uh, like I get, I get why it's set up that way, but I don't know. I just don't agree. I, with it. I, well, I guess. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know, but I hate flat rate. But uh, there's there's a flat rate system that apparently starts out at like what was it? Uh, twenty two bucks an hour for forty hours, and then it starts raising from there, and then they they bring it up to like the sixties and the eighties. And if you hit your 40 consistently, you're out of luck. And, I, you know, that, that I don't like that. But what Lucas was saying, he didn't give me precise numbers, but he said uh, it's an hourly thing. You're going to get your hourly. But if you make yeah. more, you win. And I, I love that, to be honest with you. Well, I'm straight so, salary. So look, I don't get that, the way that The way that mine is set up is it locks our labor GP at the maximum that we can pay our technicians in the shop still be profitable. At all times. And What's so, that in English, man? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, uh, basically, it says that if I charge this much an hour, I can pay my technician up to 30% of that, right? And yeah. if they turn this many hours, that means I had this many labor dollars, and that means that they can get up to 30% of it. And they get more incentive when we get up here to bigger numbers and they're going to have a good week, right? They get paid for open jobs. They still get their 40 hours every single week. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? Turn 10 hours, you got paid for 40, right? You were here for 40 hours, you get paid for 40 hours, bro. Uh, you know, and I, I'm Well, you will have a discussion it. if somebody made 10 hours, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, but, I'm the guy who, like, listen. The, the problem, know, though, is like you were saying, Mario, is the eight-hour diac. 
you know, they, they right. go down the rabbit hole and, and it's, it's almost like it's an investment, right? Uh, mm-hmm. that eight hour for the right technician. Yeah. For the right technician. Now, some technicians will never learn. They'll go and, and Keith Perkins, um, outlined it. I think perfectly. It was a little bit eye opening. He talked about processes. There's no, there's no process to the way they approach the vehicle. That's probably why it turned into eight hours. There was no process. There was no rhyme or reason. They were just kind of going in 50 different directions. And so the next vehicle comes in with a similar problem. If they go right back to what they were doing before, it's going to turn into another eight hour diet where it could have been a four hour or three hour. I know exactly what process I need to take to get me where I need to go. Well, they end up getting screwed because, you know, they, yeah, they were there 40 hours, but but they're not going to turn the hours. That's poor shop owner management. How is that? The eight hours have to be put in. I understand the eight hours have to be put in, but listen, so for instance, I've, I've got a guy and, and, and I'm going to use this from the technician perspective because I've been there. I am someone who likes to solve the problem. I don't like walking away until the problem's solved. And unfortunately, sometimes I need to show you some cars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, unfortunately, I get really inundated with a problem to the point that I will be hardcore focused on it and I won't see the forest for the trees. I've got to get up and walk away from it. Right. I've got to take a step back and move to something else for a little bit. And I come back. I'm like, damn, I didn't think about that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. What I mean by this is, is, is I've got a technician and he will sometimes get stuck in this loop. Right. And we had two jobs the other day and I made the mistake. I did not catch him on either one of them. I just overlooked the fact that he was taking a little bit too long. We've got it set up. We go in and we talk to him, right? He's got a timer and I go in and talk to him, say, Hey, listen, you've got two hours on this job for testing it at an hour and 45 minutes stop. And it's not that I think it's a problem that he can't find out what's wrong. It's that he at two hours, if he doesn't have an answer or he doesn't have information, A, I need to go back to my client and talk about additional time. B, it's a potential that he's lost and he he doesn't have the perspective he needs. And I might be able to step in and help him. But there's no reason for him to continue working on the car because at that point, in some sense, he's spinning his wheels. Right? right now, if I, as a shop owner or a service writer or another tech step in and say, look, it's clear. He knows what he's doing. He's working through this problem. He's got a, a test plan figured out. Here's what he's going to test. Here's what he's going to do. What I do with my testing is I'll say, okay, Mrs. Client, we need to do a level one testing routine in about 90% of all cases. I'm able to determine the cause or causes of your concern. That other 10% of the time, we have to do additional tests. Just like you say, hey, you know, you go to the doctor, your arm hurts. You walk in, the doctor says, look, you've got some abrasions on your arm. I suspect when you fell, you broke your arm, but I have to do an x-ray to determine more. Except I'm going to be nice about it, right? I'm not like the doctor. I'm going to tell you how much I'm going to charge you up front. And then I will charge by the test until I determine the cause. Now, the technician tells me how much time he needs for the test. If it's eight hours, it's eight hours. Or the client doesn't want to fix a car. That's their business. That's not my problem. But my point is, if I, as a shop owner or service writer, I'm doing the technician an injustice by continuing to let them work without helping them either coach them through the technical problem or get them more time on the job because it's unfair to them. I don't care if you pay them salary or not. 
They could be right. moving on to something else. They might be struggling with this. They might need help with it. Don't let them sit there and flounder for eight hours. For God's sakes, go help them. Yeah. But it, it right. may eight not hours, be eight hours. Well, yeah, but it may not. not well, not no, not, no, not, not at my shop. Exactly. No, not at all. Hold on, hold but on. I hold will on. say. I kinda, uh, you guys are going at it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You shouldn't be used to that. By yeah, now. I know. <laughs> You're talking about. It. We've been doing this for an hour and a half. This is what we do. I, I'm, all I'm, it, it may not be a, a eight continuous hours, but it could be right. you know uh, right. forty five minutes and then an hour and then another forty five minutes and then another hour. You and, and it Dr. could be House. You ever watch House what? on TV? Well, that's what yeah, it turns House. into. I get it, but that's that. My point though. My point though is that. I hate the analogy to the human body hasn't changed. Get out of here. No, that's it, not my, the, that's not no, my I know, point. I know, 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 I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's what you're trying to say. I'm not saying that at all. I'm all I'm saying is that, that, that meeting of minds and Hey, we need to break down what, what we've done already. What is, what is it telling us and figure out what the next steps are. Yeah, absolutely. We do that here at our shop. That's that's very much part of the diagnostic process here at our shop. Is let's figure out what testing have you have you done? Why? What have you found out? What's your next game plan? Before before I call the customer. Uh, what's that? Our, our shop. What? I could have. Sworn All right. Question. Question, guys. Our shop. Where our where shop, do you draw yeah. the line? My my question is where do you draw the line? Let's well, say we find the problem. <laughs> no. Yeah, but okay. Let's or it say it sits in oh, the corner of my shop. Let me tell you, I got a Dodge sitting back here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it's a single cylinder misfire, right? How much time can you possibly charge a customer where you say, okay, this is it. We can't charge this customer that much for a miss a single cylinder misfire. How wh- where do you so, draw the line? One hour, two hours, three hours? Well, well, here's here's my situation. Is I don't think there's an answer. I, a single I, single cylinder misfire. You're gonna. I mean, you any find single an cylinder misfire. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, hold on. Where's hold the on. line? Let, let's let's look at some of the diesel engines. Let's look at a common rail that that maybe we have got to do a little bit of additional testing to find it. My point is is that there are so many variables. Every situation is dynamic. So I'm playing each situation by ear, and I will go judge the situation. Was this a technician error? Is this taking too long because the technician did not make the right decision in his diagnostic pathway? Or is this a complex problem that requires additional time? Yeah. I, I don't generalize any type of problem and say, well, it's a single cylinder misfire, so it shouldn't take you more than an hour because every single time I've ever done that, because I have done that. I have found myself back in a situation where I walk into the bay and I got schooled on something. Damn, that wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. Right? Right. I understand. I I, I guess what I'm saying is, is I don't know that there is a, I, I, I think that we start with, like I said, in my shop, I start with a level one and with a level one, we'll go in, we'll spend an hour with the vehicle. We'll do a consultation with the client We'll get the data. We'll do some data collection. We'll go through and we'll we'll begin the process. The technician will come back. If he can't find it in 45 minutes, he'll do a write-up and he'll come back or he is supposed to come back to me and say, okay, here's what I've got. And we'll sit down and we'll talk about a test plan. What, what are the potentials? 
what test could we do to rule out those potentials, right? Now, if I recognize, as service writer or shop owner, if I recognize the concern was with the process, am I billing my client? No. Am I adding time to the ticket? Yes. But I will pay that, whether it's technician error, whether it's policy work. Okay. Well, we finally came to a conclusion on that. You're going to end up paying the technician just eat Yeah, it. the technician gets paid no matter what. Right? What were you asking, though, Mario? Right, but what if it's a uh, 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 you wouldn't let's say it's just for the hell of argument, you wouldn't question the techniques of that technician. You wouldn't question his diagnostic process, and it takes him two hours to do something that you would you would suspect. Let's say it's a dead misfire, right? Single cylinder misfire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do a quick clear flood. You you hear low compression, and you go in from there where do you draw the line where where can you say okay i can't possibly charge over this many this many uh billable hours to the customer I, I can't charge let's say an exorbitant amount i mean i personally would say i can couldn't possibly charge four hours for a single cylinder misfire diagnosis to a customer um uh, but but see that is the technician mindset that, that is exactly where we ended up when technicians became shop owners. And, and so the, while- the, a perfect illustration of this, a perfect illustration of this is the discussion that was in about waiving diagnostic fees in, yeah. in the startup group. And what they were saying was, I won't roll it into the repair, but if I quote unquote, find it in five minutes, I won't charge the customer for, for diagnostic time. And they're going about it all wrong. You should be selling a battery of tests. And right. the test, it needs to make sense. So on a single, single cylinder misfire, we've got a list of tests that we need to perform. And unless I have to tear into, you know, I need to get at the ECM and I need to do voltage drop tests across wires to the ignition coil or wires across to the fuel injector, just something that's going to take more time. The, the battery of tests that we charge for will find whatever 90, 95% of faults or problems for that single cylinder misfire, but we have to perform the tests. Does that make sense? Like we have to do all the work. And so I've sold, uh, whatever, a compression test or, uh, you know, a w- capturing waveform uh, on the scope of the pressure transducer. Uh, we need to check current ramp on the ignition coil, and uh, we need to check to make sure uh, d- secondary wave pattern on, or the signature wave pattern on the injector, make sure that we see the pendulum, whatever. Whatever that happens to be. Right. But on that battery of tests then gets performed to ensure that we don't miss anything. It's very easy to say that we have a blown out coil and what ends up happening is we sell them, we get excited. Yeah. We've confirmed we've done swaptronics, right? The quick and easy swaptronics. I've got a bad coil. The cylinder misfired, moved or didn't move or whatever. Well, we have an obvious fault in the ignition coil. Let's not even say it's swaptronics. You pull the ignition coil out, you can see the carbon tracking and you're like, okay, this thing's been jumping, uh, the spark out into the cylinder head. What you don't realize is that it also destroyed the cylinder and you've got slightly low compression. And so, uh, and you only feel it under load and you won't catch it until you do the 
until you do the test drive. And so because you didn't do your due diligence and make sure that we've eliminated other possibilities, like we've confirmed that the coil is carbon tracked and we've confirmed that there's, that it's misfiring that cylinder and yeah, the, that coil is not going to work properly, but we didn't perform all of these other steps that we sold. That five minute diag could turn into possibly a very awkward conversation with your customer. And so when you sit down and sell the customer, the diagnostic test and just do the diagnostic testing that you've sold that, that eliminates the possibility that we did, we missed something. And so that I found it in five minutes, isn't a thing. Yeah. I found the disconnected hose, uh, but I need to do a thorough in, inspection and see why did that hose come, come undone or why did it melt in two or why did it break apart? Because it's oil soaked. I've got an oil leak over here. Let's, let's put a smoke machine to it. So I can check and make sure I don't have any additional leaks. All that takes time. And therefore it needs to cost money. There shouldn't be quote unquote, five minute diagnostics ever. You right. didn't do your due diligence. You didn't run through a battery of tests to ensure that that five minute find was your only problem. It's, it's the, oh, I found the blown fuse and I fixed it real quick by slapping a new fuse in there. Whoa, hold on. What caused that fuse to blow? What test right. did you run to ensure that whatever could possibly cause that fuse to blow isn't going to blow the fuse again? Did you actually do any testing? And the answer is no. So I get it that they don't want to charge for that, but don't say that I waived the diagnostic. You haven't done anything. <laughs> and, and, and so much of that is because the shop doesn't have a process to do it, right? Because they're and, technicians. Absolutely. <laughs> they just looked and, under the hood and found the broken fuse, slapped the fuse in it, <laughs> called it good. But, but to go back to the, the, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable with, with four hours or $400 or whatever it may be. You know, the thing is, is that is the mentality that's been brought into shop ownership from technicians. It's the mentality that I had. And, and it's what's led us to this situation. I mean, let's just be frank about it. You can only afford to pay your technicians so much. Do technicians deserve to earn more? Yes, Absolutely, 100%. Nobody's questioning that. They're working on very complex machines. Do they deserve to earn more? Yes, they do. What are some of the things that have caused technicians not to earn more than they do right now? Well, it's because shops aren't charging appropriately. They're not charging enough time for the services they're performing. Uh, they're not charging enough of an hourly rate. They're not making enough on parts. The shop is not profitable. And 99.99% of the time, it has nothing to do with the shop owner lining his pockets. 99.99% of the time, the shop owners that we talk to, the shop owners that we meet, it's because they have no clue how to make the shop profitable. They don't have their financials. They don't have their numbers. They're not looking at ways to make the shop profitable. They're more worried about pleasing their client than they are about the shop making money. And instead of sending their kids to college, they're subsidizing the repairs of their client's vehicles with their own money. You know, I know a lot of shop owners, and I, 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 I'm just going to say straight up, I have definitely been one of them that pay their technicians more than they pay themselves. So we can't put this all on shop owners as part of the problem. Now, here's the deal, though. If we want to fix technician pay, 
if we want to fix so many of these issues, we have to stop this thought process because the client eventually has to learn. I have a very expensive piece of equipment and it is going to cost money. I'm either going to pay to test it and repair it and maintain it. Or I'm going to get a new one. I have those two choices. Now, if the shop down the street will test and repair it and say, oh, man, don't worry about just $50, man, just put the hose on it. Guess what? What does that do to the rest of us? Now, I'm, I'm you guys. Which goes back this. to my point that technicians need to leave that shop. I agree. And, and I want to be completely clear. I am not for taking advantage of the client. I, I don't want anybody to ever think that. That's not saying that if you see something simple, something's unplugged and you plug it back up. No, I, I believe in taking good care of your client and doing what's right for them. Right. The, who was it? The, the true the true definition of characters doing what's right, regardless of who's looking. I, yeah. You know, plain and simple. I'm not saying take advantage of people. But I'm saying if we don't start following this process and if the technicians don't start helping us follow this process, we don't ever fix this. If every shop around continues to charge subpar rates and they're not making any money, it never gets better. It doesn't get better for the technician. It doesn't get better for the shop. It doesn't get better for the shop owner. It doesn't get better for the shop owner's family. It damn sure doesn't get better for the client driving the vehicle because we can't provide the quality of service that they deserve. Come the hell on. So one could argue, I guess, that the lack of training would be more profitable for a shop because, well, say, uh, uh, let's, let's just go back to a misfire. I could put a scope on to a car and know what's going on inside that cylinder using a scope in very little time while another uh, technician at another shop can charge for their battery of tests, but the component that's being removed is the scope. They could go with the Swaptronics, and it, it's going to take more time to find out the issue, and they could charge more time, I guess you could say, Based on uh, that, that, that's uh, why the whole like get I would charge an hour diagnostic. Get out of here with that hour. hour. We, we have a set fee. If it takes fifteen minutes, if it takes two hours, yeah. Like my technician, I have a technician who pulls the scope out for absolutely everything. And yeah, with a with a pressure transducer, he's going to be able to tell me a ton of information. But that's the information I need. I don't care how you get it. I need to know that the valves are sealing, that you've got good compression, that the engine's in time. You see what I'm saying? Like, sure, right. if you want to, if you want to get the old school stuff out, and you want to do a cylinder leak down test, and you want to check static compression and dynamic compression, and you want to use it old old school tools, then then fine, whatever. We have that built into the cost of the testing. But I need to know that information. Now, if you can tell me all that with one piece of equipment and you can do it in a quarter of the time as the other people, then more power to you. Right. And the, the technician receives the reward for that because the it technician can move on to another car. Himself. Absolutely. Right. Right. But then there, like, like you said, there's shop owners that say, well, if it took me five minutes, I won't charge you. But what if it took the technician five minutes to, uh, you know, let's just say for the sake of argument that it just took the technician five minutes to thoroughly diagnose the issue and 
because I've personally experienced it myself. I actually was in flat rate and, and a shop owner told me, oh, it only took you five minutes. Why should I pay you a diag? You get me? So there's a lot of shop. I would imagine there's a lot of shop owners that feel the same way. If, if the technician seemed to have uh, just, just because they have better training or what have you or equipment or process, uh, just because they see less effort, they, they can justify uh, letting that pay slide. Find a better. Okay. Yeah. We'll just call them out. If you're a shop owner who says that, who has ever said that, and you don't see anything wrong with it, I'd like you to email me. We'd like to have a discussion (laughs) with you on the podcast. If you're a technician and you have your shop owner walk up to you and ask you, why should I pay you? Because it only took you X amount of time. That's the day you need to get on Facebook and reach out to a whole bunch of shop owners and say, I'm looking for a new shop. Here is, here's the training that I take on a regular basis. I I don't want to get caught up in cancel culture. Okay. Cancel culture. Get out of here. We are canceling the hack shops today. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm good with that cancel culture. Okay, yes, 100. That's the only What's one the difference. Hold on now. What's the? I'm not saying go leave one star reviews to the guy. Like the poor no, no, guy no, no, would no, no, be no, no, in, no, no, in Georgia. No, 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 no. Would you just shut up for a well, damn? Well, those minute? shops don't even care about reviews. I bet. Wait, no, they really don't. They could care less. They don't care. What I was trying to say is, is that I have been that before. You said. If you have ever thought or ever done and that. see nothing wrong with it, I put the caveat in right. there. Right. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I definitely see something wrong with it now. So many of us started That's and did not point. know. If you so so, let's change the messaging. If you're a shop and you look at that, I can promise you. If you are seeing that situation and you say, "Well, it only took you five minutes, man," let us all tell you right now that's wrong. Okay, that's not the way this should work. It's not okay. It's not how you take care of your people. If you have a profitability problem, let's talk about your profitability problem. If you're struggling financially, let's talk about the fact you're struggling financially. There's a group of shop owners who are willing to do whatever it takes to help you. They will go above and beyond to help you. Don't punish your technician because the shop's not profitable. Right? Let's fix the profitability problem. Stop punishing your people for it. I totally agree. I I think you you nailed it right there. Um, so many people like to blame shift and, and usually lands on the technician that uh, the source of all problems is, is because of the technician. And uh, it's, a, it's a shame, to be honest with you. We're all in it together. And I, I don't think uh, it's right for anybody to single any facet of the shop out. Right. Uh, we, we're all involved. We're, we're all on the same team. But a lot of we have so many different teams, so many different shops, but none of them are uniting themselves. I think uh, training, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, training is is actually the the uniting factor. And if unfortunately there are many technicians and shop owners who have no idea the the amount of training that's going on and the ability to yes. network and communicate with others. And I think if Amen. we just expose them to it, um, just expose them to it you'll see big, big changes. And and if they want to fight it, that's on them. But at least you did your part. You brought them over to training and you got the ball rolling. It's, that's, that's how I see it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. We have several conversations coming your way from the most influential technicians in the industry today. 
So if you'd like to support the show along with the work of ASOG, just go to our website, asog.site, that's A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E, and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a Patron gets you several perks, supports this podcast, and is entirely tax-deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube, and as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or... If you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.